1: you can't not talk about it because it's it's becoming part of every system and you know we've had here on the ai today podcast our generative ai series where we've been talking about the whole range of things that we want to think about with generative ai from how does it work to how do we use it to how do we build things on top of generative ai to what are the challenges and the drawbacks and some of the ethical and trustworthy concerns. And if you haven't heard any of those podcasts, I encourage you to do so. And well, today's podcast will continue on that sort of uh, trend. And if you're new to AI Today podcast, you should know this is not the only thing we do. There actually are now entire podcasts where all they do is talk about generative AI, not even just AI, but just generative AI. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those podcasts were actually being generated by generative AI altogether. I'm sure that's going to be extremely common. But we are real people here at AI today. and We've been going strong on AI since 2017. So we have lots of topics that we cover across the board, interviews with great thought leaders for AI, our failure series, our glossary series, our trustworthy AI series, and our series on all sorts of things around making uh, AI work today. But today we're going to dive deep from something from our training we can share with you about actually putting some generative AI stuff in production
2: exactly and if you're not familiar with cpmai we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes it's a best practices methodology on running ai and machine learning projects and uh we have many cpmai certified individuals now globally so we encourage you to check that out but in today's podcast we're going to be talking about implementing generative ai in production as ron mentioned this is in our generative ai series so we go over a bunch of different things but we're really going to talk about how actually Generative AI is being implemented in production, some of the things you need to watch out for, and some future looking things as well. We also are going to talk about the risks of generative AI in production. There's a lot of power. We talk about how transformative technology can really bring a lot of transformation, but it also is not without its risks. And at AI Today, that's what we like to discuss, right? We like to weigh all sides. Of these technologies. So we'll dig deeper into those topics as well.
1: So, generative AI provides a lot of really amazing things that we can do to create text and images and other things and really allows us to solve perhaps many of the problems that we have in our AI systems and allows us to shortcut some of the things, especially if they're able to generate or or do things like answer questions on data or do document classification, any of the things that we are trying to do with generative AI systems and the foundation models upon which they are based. The large language models in particular for the text generators and the image generators with their foundation models as well. And they're really very easy to use. I mean, that's actually part of the challenge here is that pretty much anybody who has access to any of a number of systems can generate text, can generate images, and it's actually in some ways a little bit too easy because we've moved from this idea of citizen developers who might be able to do low-code or no-code apps or data science, they can build you know, dashboards or whatever in their favorite tool, which does require still a little bit of... Uh, know how and some and some some sense there, but we've moved now to basically anybody could be a rogue generative AI user. They could be writing you an email, and that could be generated by generative AI. They could be responding to a customer without you even knowing that they're using generative AI or doing anything. You know, so that's actually a bit of a challenge. So actually, when we're putting a generative AI into operation, it's not even a matter of how do we make it work. Because everybody's making it work every day. The question is, how do you make it work in the context of some greater application that you are trying to do? Because generative AI, in many cases, is not the ends, it's the means. We're doing this in the midst of something, as I mentioned, generating an email to a customer or producing some images for some, say, e-commerce application or whatever it is. So really, the primary thing that we do when we put generative AI into operation, if we're not just directly using the interfaces of some of these third-party generative AI systems where you just type in a prompt and you get a response, that's not your application. You have nothing to build. You're just the user of that application. So that doesn't really apply to CPM AI. Everything we're talking about CPM AI is when you are building something, when you're creating something that's specific for your needs then it's not just a matter of using that interface. You have to create something. And therefore, what we're doing is we're usually building applications that are around, that surround the generative AI system to make use of the inputs into the generative AI and take the outputs and do something with those outputs. So when we talk about that in the context of CPM AI, we're really talking about the scaffolding, which is everything around the model, not the model itself. The model itself may be provided, perhaps a foundation model that you're using off the shelf or you fine-tuned or a generative AI solution that you're querying with an API. So therefore everything you're doing is building stuff around it. And that stuff you build around it can follow very traditional application development methodologies. You don't need the data centric CPM AI to build a web application or a mobile application or a back office application or an RPA solution or something like that. So when we're doing generative AI in production, really what we're doing is we are creating, we're using uh, the tools and techniques of prompt engineering, if I'm doing generative AI, or of handling inputs and outputs, and really, and also handling the responses, the generative AI, and basically deciding if the generative AI response is sufficient, whether or not it needs to be reprompted or it needs to be modified in some way. And so, when we are using these generative AI systems, we're building scaffolding, we really have a choice that we can make. We can either have our own generative AI model, perhaps we're using one that's off the shelf that we have access to. It could be a large language model like Llama or something like that, which the models are available. You can use them. You may not be able to retrain. They're gigantic. You may not be able to retrain them, but you can use them directly. Or stable diffusion, image generation, those models are open and available for download and use. And in some cases, even the weights are provided so you can retrain them if you need to, or fine tune them, do whatever you need to do. The other option is not to host that generative AI solution at all, but instead to query the generative AI solution through an API that goes to that provider. So it could be OpenAI's GPT API, or it could be, sorry, OpenAI is a ChatGPT API, or it could be any of the other APIs that are out there that allow you to query and use those models and get the responses back. So it could be, here's an audio file, generate a transcript, or it could be, here's a prompt, generate an image, or here's some prompt, generate some text response that follows a particular format using a particular prompt, or here's my document, I'm gonna prepare it, and I'm gonna use tools, perhaps, like Langchain to combine the inputs, use my own documents, provide that prompt with a little bit of context and take the response and then manipulate that response in some way. That's what tools like Langchain do. They allow you to use both the, on- the on-site the on as well as the API-hosted ones where you're just making queries. So really the trade-off when you make a decision as to, well, should I use one of these you know, models that I can host on my site, or should I use an API, really comes down to control and quality in one hand. So you may have higher uh, quality with some of these API ones that are being constantly updated and revised and, uh, you know, enhanced in many different ways. And you may not have the ability to retrain those models. And it it may take a sufficient, significant amount of computing time and data and all that sort of stuff. And you need to be fairly expert and to make those models work. Some of those uh, foundation models even use things like reinforcement learning to modify the outputs and things like that. So you may use those really high quality models through the API or or through other methods, or you may want control because the thing is is that when you're using the API, you don't have a lot of control. Those uh, versions, the quality might change in some sufficient ways. We'll talk a little bit about that, that are not in your control. You don't have control over say moderation features that may prevent you from querying those systems with particular prompts or the results may come back in a moderated way. So there are benefits to the self-hosted and the API-hosted version. There's also cost. Uh, APIs cost money for every query. Uh, But of course, if you're hosting them yourself, you have your own costs in terms of cost of hosting and serving and the infrastructure costs, whether it's uh, on-premise or in the cloud. And there's also complexity. If you're using an API, you don't have to worry about uptime and availability and queryability and that sort of stuff. So if you're hosting yourself, you have control over it, which of course means that you have to be responsible for uptime and availability. And there's trade-offs because the API ones, sometimes they're not available either. Sometimes they respond too slowly. So you can see these are pretty evenly weighted. There's no overriding decision as to where and how to run and interact with a generative AI system in production. You have to understand what the trade-offs are and make one that is relevant to your application. This is where CPMI comes in. Even if you're not building the model, even if you're not managing the model and you're just dealing with scaffolding, the decision you have to make here is the method and means by which you would interact with the generative AI solution and that goes into when you're doing the workbook to make a decision if you're using generative ai how you interact with it and perhaps that might change over time with versioning so i do want to mention that there are some risks involved with using generative ai solutions in your production environment regardless of whether it's a third party hosted one with an api call or something that you are running locally there's so much power Uh, in these big models that are doing some amazing things, but there's really a lot of risk. And the, the biggest thing that is it really does require constant and continuous monitoring. Almost every response needs to have some monitoring and management. You really can't set it and forget it, a generative AI system, even if they're doing amazing things, because... We have lots of real issues with generative AI systems in production. Of course, we have the issue of hallucinations, which are models returning facts that aren't true or images that have problems and things like that. Whatever it is, they are clearly real. If you've spent any amount of time with a generative AI solution, you would have experienced that firsthand. But then the second issue we have is this constant need to moderate the outputs to make sure that they don't go rogue in a number of ways. Obviously, producing unacceptable content that could cause harms if we're exposing this to a customer, We don't want generative AI systems making recommendations that could be harmful to the customer or say inappropriate things or do inappropriate things, images that are inappropriate, text that's inappropriate. So every response needs some monitoring, needs some oversight. We need more, ironically, with generative AI solution, we kind of need more human in the loop than we might have with, say, just a a uh, text summarization system that we built ourselves that has, you know, much more fine grain. It may not be able to do all the things that a generative AI solution can do, but it, but during our model evaluation phase, we were able to control the inputs and outputs and and, ha- and have some expectation as it's not going to come back and generate some completely random text because of the limited nature of the models that we might've built that didn't have the general internet text. But with generative AI solutions, we don't necessarily have all the data or know all the data that these systems have been trained on. So we can't guarantee those outputs. So there needs to be this constant need for moderation, human in the loop, awareness, uh, ability to flag and report inappropriate, or systems that are like answers that these, if they hallucinate and tell your customer that they can do something with their bank account that they can't do, or that they make up an answer to an FAQ because that's how the tech system works, that's not good because the customer will say, well, your system recommended this or said this. So there's a constant need for looking at those responses. The other issue is that, and this has become a bit noticeable, that generative AI systems can get so-called dumber, that you might have had an expected level of quality and be like, oh my goodness, this GPT system is providing amazing results. Those results are not guaranteed to stay amazing. They could start feeling, well, not less amazing, that all of a sudden you're like, I didn't do anything to the system. I'm just making the exact same prompts and handling them the exact same way. But all of a sudden, the responses are becoming less sophisticated. And there may be reasons for it perhaps if you're using a third-party API hosted model, they may have changed something in the nature of the responses, but how are you gonna handle that? How are you gonna handle this issue of the system not performing as well as it used to, even when you've done everything in your power to engineer the prompts in a specific way and do those things? And this is a problem because you have to, basically requires continuous monitoring, not just for the appropriateness of the responses, but also for the quality of the responses. And that's because API, especially the ones where you access over an API and you're just paying a a penny or two or three or whatever the cost is per request, those versions can change rapidly. The cost can even change as well that you might have in order to gain a a specific level of response, all of a sudden, perhaps you might have to spend more, do more interactions, provide more prompts, whether you have to use a more expensive model or whether you just have to do more prompts. Either way, it's just going to cost more money. And that's an issue you know the next biggest risk which are in ai systems in production is that adversarial prompts the adversarial ones where people try to come in and make your system do something that they're not supposed to reveal information or say things that they're not supposed to very real lots of people are are pushing the boundaries here trying to figure out how to make systems do what they're not supposed to do and they're becoming more and more dangerous whether well, it's revealing information that you used in your training data that you don't want whether it's stuff that you've done in your prompt and prompt engineering that you're not trying to reveal to everyone These are issues because you don't have necessarily full control over how these systems respond unless you have some pretty good moderation and human loop, all the stuff we talked about before. So really one of the big things we have to say about this is that while generative AI in production offers a ton of value and may really shortcut your systems and allow you to do things much faster and provide much better results than you could possibly ever do yourself. There, you do have less control over generative AI, perhaps, than you might have with a more, say, purpose-built uh, from the ground-up model that you developed yourself from all the data that you know and you have using your own controls and techniques. And even if we think, well, well, this has always been the issue because we have cloud-based systems, we don't always have control over cloud-based systems. Well, you actually have less con- even less control over generative than cloud. At least with the cloud, you have some control over what's been deployed. You may have some version controls over infrastructure. You may be able to have some, some control over the ingress and the outgress and that sort of stuff. But with generative AI systems, whether it's your own model that you're hosting or whether it is a third-party model you're accessing, you really don't have as much control over some of those quality outputs and therefore it really does require the constant monitoring. And that may be a uh, a risk or a cost or a, a resource issue that you may not have. So some things to consider on both the plus sides of putting generative AI in production, some of the risks and challenges in doing so. I hope you got a little bit of information there. As mentioned, we dive quite a bit deeper into the whole spectrum of generative AI and our CPMAI training and certification. And for those of you that aren't aware, organizations and especially folks that are consulting, that are doing and implementing AI for other people should be doing it with best practices. We don't, you know, everybody's learning as we go. That's just the way it is when you have technology that is literally changing as we go. But that doesn't mean making all the mistakes that everybody else is making. One of the biggest value pr- propositions that we have for CPMI is that it's based on all this learning experience from others. Who are really running ai projects across the board everything from the business understanding to the data understanding and the preparation building models including shortcutting a lot of these needs with generative ai and then of course making sure these models are actually working testing them evaluating them and then getting these various ai systems into production that is the CPMI methodology as a whole Now, when we spend time with folks who are in the business of project management, a lot of folks have their own methods and processes for running projects. And certainly, this doesn't make any of those existing project management approaches obsolete. Sometimes we actually find ourselves running into some challenges with terminology where some terms are used in very, very different ways. Uh, in different fields and i think for those of you who are listening who are say maybe afraid that their project management expertise may be obsolete or maybe don't have any project management expertise what we want to tell you is that cpmi is here to help advance the state of your ai projects and make you successful providing those critical success features those checkpoints those uh criteria success criteria if you will as well as the best practices and the ordering for running these projects for success. So give it a try uh, there are some people getting certified. We keep hearing from folks who tell us that CPM AI has really helped them evolve their own learning, their organization's learning and make their projects successful and join all these legions of others, whether they're implementing AI for themselves in their organization or doing so on behalf of others as consultants. So let us know, take a look at it. If you're interested in learning more about intro to AI, you could find out more. And uh, we have our, our free intro class at ai.today.live slash CPM Also might work, ai.today.live slash intro. I made sure at one point they were both working. Check it out. They're free, uh, that course there. And you can also uh, get a little bonus if you go through the intro course and finish it. There may be a little little coupon in there just saying as another mo- motivation to go through it. So I uh, just want to thank you all so much for listening and uh, being part of our AI Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, and, and reg- make sure to be notified for all of our AI Today updates. We're on all the big platforms, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Pod This, TuneIn, this, and we're on all of them, okay? RSS feeds, we've been on all of them for, for, for decades, no, not decades, <laughs> but years.
2: Many years. Since 2017.
1: So so be part of it. And we encourage you to reach out to us as well and let us know uh, what topics you want to hear more of, because things are actually going to be changing uh, as we start uh, digging in more broadly and, and digging maybe into specific industries and what they're doing with AI. So thank you very much and stay tuned.
0: Hey, AI Today listeners. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. From books and materials ranging from fundamentals of AI to deep dives on implementing AI projects to AI ethics, tools, software, checklists, and more, our resources page will help you on your AI journey whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way, check it out at aitoday.live list. That's aitoday.live list. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at aitoday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools, handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica, All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.